Hey, this is Lee Snow. I'm the preacher of Warm Springs Road Church of Christ, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for downloading today. I hope it inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it gives you a perspective to see what God wants to do in your life, and I hope it challenges you to a faithful tomorrow. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, we got some people walking in. I, I see some, and then I, I think I see some car lights outside too. So, uh, But we'll go ahead and get started since we have a uh, pretty good bit to cover tonight. So we're starting the book of Hebrews, so open up to Hebrews. And we're going to basically just talk about the intro to Hebrews, um, authorship, who um, received it, what date we think it was probably written, why it was written, that sort of thing, just so we can get our head around um, the rest of the book. So I I, I played around with how to kind of organize my thoughts, and really and truly, I I, I came up with a a bunch of notes in the margins of my Bible, so I couldn't really organize much, so we may jump around from here to there tonight, but um, but the book of Hebrews. So, let's first talk about who received it, okay? Because I think it's important to know who received it before we talk about who I, who I believe wrote it. Okay, listen. Everything I say tonight is a caveat when it comes to who wrote the book of Hebrews because it doesn't say specifically who wrote the book of Hebrews. However, um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that what we talk about tonight will at least give you an idea of of why, um, why it's a pretty good bet that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Okay, so let's talk about who it was written to first off. Somebody get Acts chapter 6 and verse number 1. Just go ahead and put your ribbon in, in Hebrews chapter 1 and you can go over to Acts chapter 6. Um, and somebody grab verse 1 for me. All right, what is a Hebrew? Who is a Hebrew? Or who was a Hebrew in the Bible times? A Jewish person. Specifically, though, a Hebrew is a person that is the Jewish religion from Jerusalem. Okay? So, when Paul says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, he's kind of being sarcastic, because where is Paul from? Tarsus. He's not from Jerusalem, right? But he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews um, because he's, you know, he's he's more knowledgeable about the, the law of the Old Testament than realistically. Um, hang on one second, y'all. OK, um, Katie Sizemore's nephew is in the hospital, so um, I'll try to get some news on that. Anyways, um, so Hebrews is written to. This group of people that were from Jerusalem, okay? They're, they're the Hebrews. Now, in Acts 6 and verse 1, it, it, it names another group of people. What are those called? Some translations call them the Grecian Jews. Some translations call them Hellenists, right? Do you have Hellenists there? Okay, if you remember back to, to intertestament period, which was a long time ago when we studied it, but the Hellenists were the people who... We're Jewish in religion, but they but they 
held to the Greek society more because they're not from Jerusalem. Okay, So you have two major groups of Jews at that time period. You have Jews from Jerusalem and you have Jews from everywhere else. Okay, So that's the Hellenists, the, place, the Jews from everywhere else. And the Hebrews are the place from, or the Jews from Jerusalem. Okay, and so this this term Hebrews is only found a couple of times in the New Testament, but it specifically refers to people that are from Palestine, from the Canaan land. Okay, they're called the Hebrews because they're more, um, you know, they're more official Jews because they grew, they grew up in the area of Caesarea and that sort of thing. Okay, so he's writing to people who are from Jerusalem, okay? Now, in this book, it seems like, and, and again, it's kind of conjecture here, but it seems like these people that he's writing to had a couple of different things going on. In AD 66, there's a civil war among the Jews, okay? You don't have any talk about a civil war. You don't have any real talk about um, infighting amongst the Jews or anything like that. So we know it had to happen before A.D. 66. Also, it talks about the temple a bunch of times as if it's already, as if it's still in existence. And what year did the temple get destroyed? Does anybody remember? A.D. 70, right. So, temple's destroyed in A.D. 70. Well, in the book of Hebrews, the temple's still there. So we know it's before A.D. 70, right? So let's try to nail down this time frame. It's before AD 70. There's no talk of civil war amongst the Jews. In fact, in the book, it doesn't really even give a hint at the fact that there are any any kind of disagreements about the Hebrews, that the Jews believed, or that the Jews were having fighting or anything like that. So it's got to be before 66. There's no conversation about persecution, right? In fact... In, in Hebrews chapter 10, what, what's the main thing we think about when we think about Hebrews 10? Does anybody remember? What topic do we think about the most? No, that's 11, right? The Hebrews Hall of Fame is, is chapter 11. Chapter 10, verse 25. Hebrews 10, 25. Somebody read that one for me. Yeah, there we go. The assembling, right? So, what does Hebrews 10 say that the purpose of assembling and worshiping together is to what to provoke each other to what to love and to good works right okay so there's no talk about persecution right it it seems like they're he's stressing worship together he's stressing getting together and worshiping together and if he's doing that and there's a persecution Chances are he's probably going to mention something about the persecution, right? So Nero's persecution didn't start until AD 64. So we've whittled it down. It's before 70. There's no civil war talked about, so it's before 66. There, there doesn't seem to be any persecution since he's encouraging them and not talking anything about any kind of persecution or being worried about going to worship together. So it's got to be before AD 64, all right? So... I'm going to say it's A.D. 63, and we'll get to why here in just a second. Now let's talk about the main thing that everybody argues about 
when it comes to the book of Hebrews. And in fact, yesterday, last night, I decided I would poke a little fun at some people. And so I put on Facebook, if you want to know who really wrote the book of Hebrews, meet me at Warren Springs Road Church of Christ tomorrow at 7 p.m. Okay. Let's talk about the author. Who wrote the book of Hebrews? First off, does it really matter if Paul or Luke or Apollos or anyone else wrote the book of Hebrews? Does it really matter? Why? Right, because it's, it's the Word of God. It is inspired. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 means that if it is inspired, which it is, then it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, in the righteousness, right? So, when you boil it down to it, it doesn't matter who wrote the book of Hebrews because God has ordained it to be written, and so that's the most important thing. But when you think about, when, when you look at a book like this, or you look at a book like Joshua, which we just finished last week. Who did we say wrote the book of Joshua? Joshua, right? And then the last chapter was probably written by somebody else. Why is it so beneficial to know that Joshua is writing the book? Joshua is a military man who's militarily minded. He spends five years fighting for the Canaan land. He fights all these battles, but he only records five of them. And those five that he recorded are the ones that God miraculously worked in. Why is that so beneficial to know that Joshua wrote the book and only recorded the ones where God worked and not when his military might and expertise took over? It shows his character, right? It shows just how much he was trusting in God and that sort of thing. So there's, there's things that we get from knowing who wrote a book. But when it boils down to it, it doesn't really matter. It's not going to... You're not going to go to heaven or hell depending on who wrote the book of Hebrews. Okay? But, let's just go through some interesting things. And, and we're going to be flipping a lot. So, go ahead and, and get ready for that. Okay? Yeah, go ahead. All right, absolutely, absolutely. But it gives us a little it gives us a little more insight into the character of the person because he only rec- he, you know, he only recorded the things that God did, not the things that he did, right? And so knowing who wrote a book and studying that person just kind of gives you a little more of an insight. Just gives you a little more deeper and what we're doing this quarter or really I I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know how long this is going to last. Um while we study the book of Hebrews, we're, we're diving deep, right? So we're going to get into some deep subjects and some, some, we're going to be looking at the Old Testament versus New Testament, that sort of thing. Um, and so it's, it's beneficial to at least think about who wrote it. So the earliest instance that we have of someone quoting from the book of Hebrews is in A.D. 99. So like a year after or three years after the book of Revelation is written. Okay. And it's a guy named Clement who lives in Rome who quotes from the book of Hebrews, but he doesn't say who wrote it. Which indicates that either he didn't see it important, but back then they quoted and and gave credit to the writer in in everything. So chances are they didn't 100% know who wrote it then either. All the way back three years after the New Testament is completed, okay? 
So, let's look at this. I just want to kind of look at some, some instances inside the book and outside the book. Somebody get Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 3. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, and read that one for me. All right. Confirm to who? To us. So the author is included in that, right? If I say, you know, God gave us the Bible, that includes me in it too, right? So the author is included in Hebrews 2.3, and it says that first the things were written or spoken by who? The Lord, which is Jesus, right? And it was attested to us by those who heard him. So that seems to say that whoever wrote this book was what? Was he an apostle? Well, think about this. How did the apostles learn about Jesus? Well, they were with him, right? They lived with him for three years. There's only one apostle that didn't live with him. Paul, right? But... He didn't live with him for three years, but he did spend three years in the desert learning from him before he started preaching. So it seems like either if this is Paul, he's talking about the fact that he didn't he didn't learn from Jesus himself, or it's written by somebody who was a second-hand Christian, okay? Like a second-generation Christian. They they were taught by someone who learned the gospel from Jesus. Okay? Now Open up to um, chapter 11 and verse 32. Chapter 11, verse 32. Yep, somebody read that one for me. That's right. All right. So, and what shall what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and so forth. Those per- personal pronouns, I and me, are masculine, which means it was written by a man. Okay. Those are the only two outright indications from the text that we have about the author of Hebrews. One, he didn't live with Jesus while he was on earth. Two, he's a man. Because he talks about himself in the masculine sense. And now we don't have that, right? In English, if I say I, that's gender neutral, right? But in Greek, they have masculine pronouns and feminine pronouns. So if he uses a masculine pronoun, a woman that writes the book is not going to use a masculine pronoun, right? So this is a man who didn't learn while Jesus was on earth. The only two indications. However, there's some more indications from elsewhere in the Bible. So let's turn to a couple places here. All right, let's turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28, verse number 16. Acts 28, verse 16. Now, we've already figured out that the book of Hebrews is probably written in what year? 
AD 63, right? Probably written AD 63. Alright, read Acts 28 verse, uh, what was that, 16? Whatever, whatever verse I said. Yeah. Acts 28 verse 16. Alright. And when what? When we came, who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. So why did he say when we came? Because he was with him, right? Luke is with him. Acts 28 verse 16 happened. Okay? It happened in A.D. 63. Now, the book is written to the Hebrews, right? Who lived in what area? Jerusalem. Acts uh, Acts 28 verse 16 is when Paul and Luke get to Rome. Where did they leave from before they went to Rome? Caesarea, right? The Hebrews are people who lived in that area. And about a year later, Paul is in Rome with Luke, okay? And that book is written to the people back in Caesarea. Now, let's go to... um, uh, let's go to Luke. Well, hang on. We'll get there in a second. So, um, Acts, or sorry, Hebrews thirteen twenty three. Let me read that one for us, since we're since we're all the way back in Acts right now. Hebrews thirteen twenty three says this. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, whom I shall see if he comes soon. In Acts in Acts 28, verse 16, Paul's in Rome. It's A.D. 63. Timothy is no longer wherever these Hebrews were. And at the same time, Paul writes 2 Timothy when he says, Please come to me before winter. So he's writing to Timothy... And he's saying, please get here as soon as you can. Timothy is leaving from the place where the Hebrews are are living. And he writes to the Hebrews and says, Timothy has already left you. Okay? So, Luke is with him. What books did Luke write? The book of Acts and the book of Luke. Right. Acts and Luke. All right. Now, I'm just going to go to Luke chapter 1 and read this verse. You probably remember it or at least have heard it before. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So why did Luke write the book of Luke and the book of Acts? To give a chronological account of what had happened in the life of Jesus and the early church, right? He studied it. He wasn't there for the vast majority of it. He only gets there at toward the end of the book of 
Acts. But all through the book of Luke and the life of Christ, Luke isn't there. He's not a disciple. Yet, he's converted in the book of Acts, and he starts following Paul. And he's the one that is very meticulous and very concerned about chronological order, about argumentation. Now, the difference between Luke and Paul is um, Paul sometimes uh, gets a little jumpy. He, He starts a topic, and then he'll jump to another topic, and then he goes back. Uh, you can see it in Ephesians chapter four. He's talking about the um, he's talking about the gifts that God gave to mankind in order to build up the church. And then in there, there's this giant two verse long parenthetical statement that has really nothing to do with what he's talking about. Paul had a little base, and he would be talking about this, and then something would pop into his head, and he'd chase a rabbit for a minute, and he'd get back to it. Hebrews isn't like that. Hebrews is very analytical. It's very precise. It's very um, thought out ahead of time. But it's also written like they would record a sermon. Okay? So, here's the overall picture that that we're going to look at the book of Hebrews through as far as who wrote it and why they wrote it. Okay? Paul... Is, is arrested in Caesarea Philippi. He spends three years there in jail. Two, two years. He spends two years there in jail. At some point, do you think he probably would have spoken to the Jewish Christians in Caesarea? I mean, he's, he's there for two years, right? So he's teaching. He's in jail, but at least he's, he's, doing, he's probably doing something. We don't have any record of it. In fact, the two years that he's in Caesarea in jail happens in one verse in the book of Acts, okay, before they go to Rome. But he's, he's sitting there and he's teaching. If he's teaching a bunch of Hebrews about the New Testament, what do you think he would have taught those Hebrews? Now, this is conjecture, but let's, let's think this out here. What do you think Paul would have taught those Hebrew people? Would he have taught them like he did in Acts 17 on Mars Hill? What did he do on Mars Hill? He said, I see all your gods. I think you're very religious. Let me tell you about the unknown God. Do you think he would have preached that sermon in Caesarea? No, right? No, of course not. Um, it's like, it's a, it's a good example of... Um, I'm, I'm going to say this, and then I'm never going to mention it again, okay? Until it happens, okay? But there's this thing, uh, there's, this, there's this false teaching that's happening that's getting pretty rampant in northeast Alabama to where entire churches are giving over to it. I'm not going to say what it is. Um, but uh, I don't pay a lot of attention to it because why? It's not down here. We're not having a problem with that false teaching. So I'm not going to mention it because I'm not going to put it in anybody's head. But hopefully they won't go look at, look at it and some crazy person will convince them that it's true and, you know, so forth. So I just don't mention it. There are some things that preachers don't mention given the context that they're in. Sometimes it's because they're scared to speak about something. But that's a different topic altogether, right? So he's not going to talk about false gods in Caesarea. What he's probably going to talk about is the way he grew up, right? What, how did Paul grow up? 
as a Hebrew, the Hebrew of Hebrews, right? Who was he trained under? Gamaliel. When he was about 13 years old, he was sent from Tarsus to Jerusalem to learn under the best Hebrew teacher alive in that day. You think he's probably going to mention that to a bunch of Jewish Christians? He did every other time he talked to them in the book of Acts, right? You think he's probably going to give them some encouragement to not go back to the Old Testament? I think he's probably going to say things like, we've been baptized. We don't need to lay again the foundation of Christianity. We need to go on to some bigger and better things. You think he's going to say those type of things? Those are all things that the book of Hebrews says. So, Paul spends two years in Caesarea among the Hebrews. He goes to Rome. In AD 63, a book is written to the Hebrews in the place where he just left, mentioning a person that's coming to him from the place that he just left. And it has the writing style, not of Paul, but of Luke who is with him, who at the time has already written two consecutive books about the chronological order of what happened in the New Testament church. Chances are the book of Hebrews is a... uh, Does anybody take notes when I preach? Sometimes it may be a little hard. I don't know. All right. Right. You try to sometimes? Sorry. Okay. Listen. Anyways. Chances are, the book of Hebrews is a sermon that Paul wrote in Luke's notes. Luke wrote it. That's why it reads like Luke. But it talks about all these things that Paul would be talking about. And it says phrases like Paul would say it. And it talks about a place that Paul had just left just a few months earlier. And it mentions people that are leaving the place where it's written to and going to Paul. And then in other books, Paul writes that that man is coming to him. So, chances are the book of Hebrews is a sermon that Paul preached in Caesarea that Luke took notes on and wrote a book about. Which is why it has has quotes that sound perfectly like Paul, but it doesn't have this jump around crazy, like, I'm talking about this, and then I jump and talk about this, and then I jump and talk about this kind of style. It is a very methodical. Chapter 1 is about angels. Chapter 2 is about the founder of our salvation. Chapter 3 is about Jesus is better than Moses. There's this very methodical, argumented teaching to it. So, it's a sermon written, uh, spoken by Paul, but written by Luke from his notes. Now, Let's talk about the point of it. What's the point of the book of Hebrews? If it's written by Paul slash Luke at the same time, what's the point of the book of Hebrews? Why did they write it? Did they just write it because they had some extra pen and ink and they just figured, oh, let's just write a book. No. What was the point? Right. Somebody get Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. That's exactly right. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Somebody read that one. Well, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Right. 
Alright, verse 3. And this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up in contempt. That sounds a lot like Paul, right? That verse... Just that sentence just took how long? Six verses? Who who says sentences that are super long in the New Testament? Paul, right? There's there's half chapters that are just one long sentence, right? He just keeps talking over and over again. It is impossible in the case of those who have been enlightened to go back. Um to go back to the old way of doing things and continue to be okay, right? They had some amount of plausibility when they were Jews. Not not to where they were forgiven of their sins or anything like that. After Jesus was resurrected and the New Testament church came into power, would you still be justified if you followed the Old Testament after that point? No, right? That's what Galatians is written for, right? You can't try to save yourself by following the Old Testament law. But these people aren't trying to follow the Old Testament law and save themselves. They have this interesting problem that you and I don't have. You and I are so far removed from the Old Testament now that we don't even understand general principles a lot of times. Like... This is not to to bash anybody or to make anybody feel less, but does anybody know what Yom Kippur is? Yeah, it's the Day of Atonement, right? What would happen that day? The high priest would go in, sprinkle blood on the altar, right? And to atone for the sins of the people for a year, right? Does anybody partake in the Passover today? No, the Lord's Supper. Right? We have our own type of Passover now, right? Has anybody ever partaken in the Passover? I haven't. So we don't know what that's like, right? Right. So we're so far removed from the Old Testament that we don't have this problem. Our problem is we like to go back to the Old Testament to justify certain things. Like, we always talk about instruments and that sort of thing. Y'all know my, my go-to... Um, after you've studied with someone and they don't agree with you, you know my go-to argument for instruments, right? If you, get, if you can find a Christian in the New Testament that uses an instrument, I will be okay with it. No one has ever been able to do it since yet because there's only one instance of instruments being used in the New Testament and that is in the book of Revelation and that's people in heaven. And I'm not talking about people in heaven. I'm talking about Christians Living in the New Testament times, none of them use instruments, right? We have a problem with going to the Old Testament to justify things. Because when you say that, they say, well, who used instruments? Well, David used instruments, right? Well, the Jews used instruments. We have a problem with going back to the Old Testament to justify teachings that we want to be true. They had a problem, I'll get you one second. They had a problem with going to the Old Testament for religious principles because they had grown up in it, right? It's different than a person who grows up in, in 
Rome as a Jew going to synagogue every Saturday and partaking in the in the the Jewish feasts and that sort of thing and the people who are the Hebrews they're the pure bloods they're the ones that have been there for 1500 years they're their relatives sure maybe those people in Rome had relatives who had walked across the Red Sea but these Hebrews man my, you know, my great, 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 great grandfather walked across the Red Sea and I know his name and I know when he lived and I know his kids' names and they're connected to the Old Testament. And so, Paul preaches this sermon about don't go back to the Old Testament and try to justify everything that you do. We have the problem of trying to justify single things. Nobody, nobody that I have ever met, maybe there are people out there who do, Nobody has ever told me that we should keep doing animal sacrifices because they did it in the Old Testament. Right? Y'all ever heard that? If you have, please let me know because I'll stop using that as an illustration. But no one has ever told me that. We should, we should keep doing that. We should rebuild the temple because that's the way the Old Testament Jews did. But these people have that problem. They grew up offering animal sacrifices. And that's the point of the book of Hebrews. All right, go ahead. What were you saying? Right. Oh yeah, the tithe. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That's true. Right. Now, I think I think people push against the tithing concept because of a. Sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes, as a cop out, you know, New Testament doesn't say I should give ten percent. Okay, it, no, it doesn't. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It says the Book of Hebrews. We've been called to a better covenant with better sacrifices and a better way and a better life and a better salvation and a better heaven. And anyways, but yeah, that's true. People people will teach the tithe and teach and command that if you don't give ten percent, then you're lost. Because of the Old Testament way. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. <laughs> well, if we start saying that, I might have a problem. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so, so they have a different problem than we do. We have a problem of, we want to go back to the Old Testament to justify teachings. They wanted to go back to the Old Testament because that's just the way they grew up. Have you ever met a person who's a member of the body of Christ who grows up in a um, another religion? Not, not just like a denomination, but another religion altogether. I have some friends who grew up in Islam who are now Christians. Especially one specifically that I'm thinking of. And he sometimes has a very real, I don't want to say problem, but, you know, he's been a Christian for a long time now, but there for a while, he had a, he had a problem with, sometimes he would start to, in his mind, kind of diminish the, the role of Jesus, because Islamic teaching is that Jesus is not the Christ, right? So he grows up in that, 
And that's something that he has to deal with is not going back to the way that he's always thought about things, right? And, and changing and moving forward. That's the same concept as here. So this book is written for that purpose. Now, because of that, is the Old Testament... Is the Old Testament wrong? No, it's, it's all truth, right? It all happened. The history is true. The prophecies came true. The teachings were from God. Okay. Is the Old Testament pointless? No. Right. Arnold said earlier, the reason for the Old Testament being written was for what? For our learning. Now, isn't it just interesting? Has anybody ever, has this ever caught your mind? That Romans 15.4 says that the, the things that were written before time were written for our learning. Why was the book of Genesis written? For our learning. Sure, they got something out of it. The book of Leviticus, book of Leviticus, written for two reasons. Number one, to teach them how to worship and how to build the tabernacle. But the main reason for the entire Old Testament being written was for Christians. Not for the Jews, but for Christians. So, the things that the Old Testament says, they're true. The Proverbs, they're true, even though we have to understand what a proverb is, right? It's not true all the time. It's a general truth, okay? The Psalms are true. So, of, I'll get you one second. So, of the New Testament books, there are two that quote from the Old Testament more than any other books. That is the book of Revelation. Why do you think the book of Revelation quotes from the Old Testament so much? Right. He's using the same imagery that they used to talk about. So they talked about the destruction of Jerusalem like this, and we talk about the destruction of the world like this, right? So yeah, so same imagery. But then the book of Hebrews quotes, um, I just took a note until I got tired of writing. Psalm 2, Psalm 8, Psalm 22, 40, 45, 102, and 110 are all mentioned in the book of Hebrews, are quoted directly from the book of Hebrews, and that's just from the Psalms. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, so about one every other chapter. Quotation just from the Psalms. If you went through the book of Hebrews and made a list of every single quotation from the Old Testament, you'd need another piece of paper. Okay, There's so many. Why do you think the Hebrews writers, Paul and Luke, why do you think Paul preached a sermon where he quoted from the Old Testament so much? Right, because he's using what they know and what they've grown up with to learn what he needs them to pay attention to, right? All right, Ray, and then I'll, I'll get you, Arnold. Uh, going back to the Old Testament Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just in the just in the traditions. And that's what Hebrews talks about the the type and antitype a ton in this book. Um real quick Arnold, I got to tell this story. There was there was once a lady, I don't know if this is true, but it's just a funny story that I heard one time. Um 
I'm more like Paul than I am Luke, okay? Anyways, I jump around sometimes. There was a lady, there was a lady who, was, who um, was cooking a ham. Have you all ever heard this illustration before? This is a good old preacher illustration right here. She's cooking a ham, and she lopped off the end of the ham. And then she put it in the pan and wrapped it in tinfoil and put it in the oven. And she did this for years and years. And finally, her husband said, honey, why do you cut the end of the ham off? And she said, I don't really know. So she called her mom. And she said, I do it because my mom did it. And so she calls her mom, and her mom says, I don't know. I did it because grandma did it. And so she calls her grandma. Her grandma's still alive, thankfully. She calls her grandma and says, why, did you, why do you always cut the end of the ham off? And she says, because my pan is too short. The whole thing won't fit in there, so I've got to cut it off. You know, sometimes traditions can be pretty. Just do it because we always do it that way, right? All right, anyways, Arnold, go ahead. I thought it's hilarious. Y'all can laugh or not. I think it's funny. All right, go ahead. Right. Right. And you think you think that's um, that would be a temptation of the people who are already Christians to to think about that? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, here's the last little hint of of who wrote the book that I'll give you tonight, and then I'll get you. Last little bit, last little hint of who wrote the book. Okay, the book of Hebrews quotes from the Old Testament um, just about as much as any other New Testament book, probably more. Every time it quotes from the Old Testament, it does not use the Hebrew. What, what language do you think Paul, if he were going to quote from the Old Testament, what language, what translation do you think he would use? Do you think he'd use a translation or do you think he'd use the Old Hebrew? The old Hebrew, right? But the book of Hebrews, when it quotes from the Old Testament, it uses the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Well... There was this guy who was really good at writing who every time he quotes from the Old Testament, he quotes from the LXX too. His name's Luke. So, sounds like Paul, reads like Luke, has illustrations that Paul would have used, teaching styles that Paul would have used, talks about people that only Paul is going to talk about, but it keeps reading like Luke because it's a sermon that was preached by Paul it was recorded by Luke, and Luke put it into it. Have y'all ever taken notes and, and maybe reorganized something? Yeah, I do it all the time, right? If I'm listening to a sermon and I take notes, I may, you know, I may draw a line and say, you know, if I ever preach this sermon, I'm going to put this point up here, and I'm going to make this this. So that's just what Luke did, all right? All right, real quick, and then we got to take a break. Yeah, if you just take the prophecies about Christ and you write every single one of them on a quarter and you lay it across the state of Texas, this is, this is a, a mathematician did this, this is not me. It would be multiple inches deep. Then, if you reached in, the, the odds are, if you reached in and grabbed one of those quarters and picked it out and it had the number that you guessed, that's the odds of all of the prophecies in the Old Testament becoming true. 
You cover the, the state of Texas in inches deep of quarters and draw a mark on one of those quarters. And you just walk out in the middle somewhere in College Station. No, some, somewhere in Texas and you grab a quarter. The odds are that you are going to grab that quarter with the mark on it is the same odds that all of the prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament would have come true. That's pretty amazing. Texas is a big old place. Yeah, so that's, that's amazing. All right, anyways, let's go ahead and take a little break. Next week, we're going to start uh, Hebrews chapter 1, so you can go ahead and read through that. Uh, we're not going to go through the whole chapter next week, probably, but um, we'll get a good way into it.